0: The following sermon was delivered by senior pastor, Scott Black Johnston, during morning worship at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith every Sunday on the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Midtown Manhattan. And now, here is Dr. Black Johnston. Will you please join me in praying one of my favorite prayers, written by St. Augustine back in the fourth century. Let us pray. O loving God, to turn away from you is to fall, to turn toward you is to rise, and to stand before you is to abide forever. Grant us, dear God, in all our duties your help, in all our uncertainties your guidance, in all our dangers, your protection, and in all our sorrows, your peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Friends, we are in the heart of the season of Lent, the 40 days that Christians set aside every year for prayer, repentance, and service. We have also entered a new season, an unwelcome span of indeterminate length. All humanity now walks through a valley characterized by suffering, isolation, and anxiety. We have become church in the time of coronavirus. At this precarious moment, what does God have to say? To answer, we turn today to a famous passage from the writings of the Apostle Paul. In his letters, Paul writes poetically sometimes about delicate subjects like love. The Apostle addresses profound philosophical conundrums like what does it mean to be human? And in certain circumstances, Paul also gets personal, self-reflective, and downright disclosive. In today's text, the Apostle writes about his heart. He describes the flip-flopping struggle he goes through whenever he tries to do the right thing. This passage is a bit of a labyrinth. Hang in there. I promise, the good book has a blessing to bestow. Let us listen now or God's word, as it comes to us from the book of Romans chapter 7, beginning with the 14th verse. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into slavery under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good, but in fact it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, But the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law, at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members, wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the word of God for you The people of God, thanks be to God. At any point in the past week, have you looked in the mirror and asked, what am I doing? (laughs) Have you gone to a place in the last few days when you've wondered, why am I acting like this? Why am I firing off panicked emails? Why, if I'm so strung out by the deluge of frightening news, Can't I put my phone down? What is this anxiety running me around, pulling my strings? What is going on? Have you looked in the mirror lately and asked, who is actually in control here? I had a strange experience this past week. I suspect that we're going to have a lot of strange experiences in the weeks ahead. Here's mine. I went to do something perfectly normal, get my hair cut. For the past 12 years, I've had my hair cut by the same guy, the same barber, Peter. It always goes like this. I walk into his busy shop over on Lexington Avenue. Peter asks, what are we going to do today? I say, the Peter magic. He smiles and starts in with the scissors. He cuts. And as he cuts, I ask Peter about his big Catholic family, his most recent trip to visit his mother in Sicily, and he asks me about Fifth Avenue Church. Twenty minutes later, I pay, we shake hands, done and dusted for another month. This past Wednesday was different. It was eerie. Instead of the typical banter of two dozen clients and barbers, Peter and I were alone in his barber shop. Walking in, I headed straight for a dispenser of sanitizer. I rubbed it all over my hands and wrists, so did Peter, and then we shook hands. Now, I know this was not best social distancing practice, but I had to touch him. You see, this past week, Peter, my barber, my friend, learned that his elderly mother in Sicily had died. He looked tired, tired and so very sad. Peter explained that he and his sister are not allowed to travel to Italy for his mother's funeral. In fact, only one family member in Sicily is permitted to accompany a priest to her burial. This is the new law. Peter explained. In Italy, no groups are allowed out in public, not even to bury the dead. As he cut my hair, this small business owner soberly went on to explain that there was talk in the city of shutting down all the barber shops. What can I do? Peter asked. I'm not in control of anything right now. I agreed we have all lost control. Or maybe this terrible plague is simply a reminder of how little control we have ever. In times like this, our illusions shatter. We confront a stark truth. We cannot control events outside of us. We cannot control other people We cannot even control ourselves, our feelings, our reactions to this nonstop stream of unsettling news. This past week, in the span of about an hour, I went from anxiety over family travel plans to growling virtually at a member of our fine staff to feeling that this strange moment is the perfect time to be creative before returning once again to nervous contemplation about the world. My emotions ricocheted around in my head, in my heart, forces outside of me, I thought. They're pulling the strings. This is not me. This is not my highs. These are not my lows, my swings, my snaps. Right? Well... Well, says the Apostle Paul, it's true. There are powerful forces out there, forces beyond our control that buffet us, but let's be honest. Our responses to those forces, to the cataclysms and calamities and challenges of life, reside in here. In general, says Paul, we know what is good. We know that that right now the world needs calm, courage, generosity, patience, and kindness from us. The problem, Paul admits, is that while I know what God wants from me, I have real difficulty getting there. And with that, the apostle pens one of the most famous lines in all of scripture. I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. I, the apostle writes, I am a mess. I told you he was disclosive. Paul, the great apostle, the original missionary, the man who spread Christianity all around the Mediterranean basin, bears his soul in this text. I cannot control events out there, nor can I manage the fight that's going on inside of here. I'm I'm tangled in a net, says Paul, using our least favorite theological world, a net of sin. I'm out of control. I'm a wretched man. Who, Paul asks in a desperate voice on a spiritual hotline, who will rescue me? from this body of death. Although we don't have a bulletin cover with our typical artwork today, I do want to show you a painting by the Dutch master Rembrandt van Rijn. This piece bears the unusual title Self-Portrait as the Apostle Paul. Rembrandt painted this work in 1661, a tough time, in the artist's life. As many of you know, Rembrandt was, early in his career, the most successful painter in Amsterdam and perhaps all of Europe. Late in life, though, his fortunes changed. He lost a few key patrons. He got into a fight with the local painter's guild. He was not able to sell his art. So eventually, Rembrandt had to sell his family home. In the midst of this tough season, Rembrandt went to his easel and painted himself as a man with a weary face and with eyebrows raised in question. This is the visage of someone who realizes that the world is a fickle and harsh place. It cannot be controlled. This is the face of someone who knows that he cannot even control his own demons. It it makes sense that Rembrandt would paint himself as old Paul. The apostle's question is written across his face. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Maybe in this strange and uncertain time, as we struggle with demons out there and demons In here, maybe this is your question too. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Paul, of course, has his own answer to this question. After pouring out his soul and his own messed up inner conflict, the apostle gives an almost breathless response. Who will rescue me? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Surprise, surprise, Jesus is the answer. What else did we expect from this cranky evangelist? Isn't that what always happens when the world gets crazy, when our hearts feel faint, when demons start whispering in our ears, when we cannot seem to do the good we know the world needs? when we're so doggone frustrated at everything and even at our own selves that we shout, who will save me from this body of death, along comes some Bible-thumping, wide-eyed preacher bleeding, Jesus Christ, our Lord, as if it solves everything. But here's the thing. That actually is Paul's point. Paul believes Jesus is the medicine that we need this anxious day and every day. Why? What has Paul experienced that makes him think Christ has answered his call for help? Well, that, in a way, is our question every single week here at church. How in the world does Jesus help? My guess is that if you were to ask Paul that question, he would tell you how one day Jesus started swinging a crowbar around inside his heart, demolishing walls of prejudice and anger and self-righteousness. I bet Paul would talk about grace too. He He would talk about the importance of forgiveness and how he finds not guilt, pardon in Jesus. I'm I'm confident that Paul would talk about Jesus as a model for living in community with with friends and family and strangers, too, in, in a generous and loving way. And yes, yes, Paul would talk about love, love that is unafraid, love that is fierce and tender, love that suffers with us for us, love that will walk to hell and back, love that grabs you and will not let you go. Okay, there are a lot of predictions out there right now. Here's mine. My friends, there are going to be moments for all of us in the days and weeks ahead when we will feel out of control. When we, will f- when we will feel like external events and our own inner fears have chained us to a rock that is dropping to the bottom of the sea. Here's my prescription for you. In those moments, be honest, like Paul. Sigh and weep and shout and ask, who will rescue me from this body of death. And then, if you dare, whisper Paul's answer. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. See if you don't realize in that quiet moment that being in control is an illusion. See if you don't feel in that sacred space, like you can take the good shepherd's gentle hand and walk right across these turbulent waters. Would you please join me in saying what we believe, using a portion of the Presbyterian brief statement of faith on your screen. God acts with justice and mercy to redeem creation. Loving us still, God makes us heirs with Christ of the covenant. Like a mother who will not forsake her nursing child, like a father who runs to welcome the prodigal home, God is faithful still. Amen. Hear now this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.